0: Hey guys, this is Jeff Shackelford and Joe House! We're from Shack House and today we're running a small excerpt on today's show. To hear the full episode, please subscribe. Please subscribe to Shack House on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Today on Shack House, an open championship for the ages as Henrik Stenson and Phil Mickelson contested a duel that even Jack Nicklaus says was the best he's ever seen. Plus, Rue McDonald, who will talk Scottish golf travel with us. But first, from Scotland, House, I greet you from beautiful Glasgow. How are you doing? It's your, it's your last day in Scotland. It's got to be a sad day, right, Jeff? Uh, it, it is a sad day. Uh, in fact, it's very, very sad, House. Uh, but I, I will say <laughs> I am looking forward to being re- reunited with uh, the Sun. Uh, Mexican food, yes, and something for breakfast other than scrambled eggs, beans, and tomato uh, but other than that uh it's been a wonderful trip here as always it's such a beautiful place, great people they love the game of golf, you never have to be ashamed to love golf here and uh, and then oh yeah, by the way, we just had one of the greatest majors of all time I think uh I'm not sure I mean it's early in the week house, but I feel like this is one we're gonna have to kind of. Uh, sit on and ponder, but what those two guys just did at Royal Troon was just um, really, really special. Yeah, I I
1: feel like if Jack has already weighed in, Jack Nicholas has already weighed in, and his view is that yesterday's co- competition between the two players, because it was just a two-man competition surpassed what he and Tom Watson did in 77, then that's good enough for me. I'm pretty sure the 18 major winner can have the final say on that matter.
0: Yeah, how about that? He just took to Twitter and threw that out there. He said, uh, what was his line? He said, uh, oh, mentioning Turnberry in in 1977, I thought we played great and had a wonderful match. Uh, On that day, Tom got me 65-66. Our final round was really good, but theirs was even better. What a great match today. I don't know why he's calling it a match, but... uh, that whatever Jack says he's allowed to say because it's that's (laughs) accurate it is a match
1: it was a match yesterday and what they had going
0: was a match also don't you think Uh, yeah although Phil really downplayed that on Saturday and and even after going through all that he still kind of downplayed it not not to to be rude to Henrik it's just that I think he gets so locked into a mindset that it's stroke play and and that there are a few holes out there where anything could go wrong and so he just didn't want to play against the person he was playing against. He'd want to play against the golf course, which is very hard to do when it's just the two of you. So, uh, Either way, it, it was Yeah, just I don't begrudge him his point of view that's necessary
1: for his proper yeah. mindset and, and preparation and the way that he wants to tackle it, but for all of us consuming the thing, it was just match play, and the moment that Henrik rolled in that unbelievable... <laughs> 60-footer, uh, <laughs> 70-footer, I don't know what the actual yardage was uh, from uh, on 15. Yeah. I,
0: I, you know, put it in the book. That's yeah. it.
1: The, it. The match is over.
0: Yeah, but then sixteen, I was I was behind the green, and you know it was just you couldn't believe when that went in. And then Phil had a really hard putt there, so he did a nice job, just a two putt. The pin was on a on a really weird little spot. I doubt you could see it on TV, but you know sixteen. Then he made it interesting, hitting it over. Uh, Henrik did over in the left rough, and and I got to see the lie, and it was it was not horrible, but it was one where it needed a little bit of care, and he. he Hit a great shot. And um, and then, but Phil's putt on 16 house uh, for Eagle, it just went bumpity bump at the start. And then, again, like the putt for 63 that he had uh, earlier in the week, it was just astounding that that putt did not go in. I mean, Bones didn't fall over this time, but he he did you know, pretty much uh, show and let everybody know that that was just an absolutely painful miss. And Phil muttered a bunch of stuff walking over to uh, hand the putter to him and i mean if that had gone in uh, i mean the match was uh, the duel was just incredible but that took it that would have taken it to even uh, another level um so but yeah because the 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 pressure on henrik to to
1: match um with that very uh it looked very scary a little downhiller it was um you know that that the the Does he have the same competent stroke? Does he have the same ability to take a couple deep breaths? And, you know, he made it look very easy. He was very, I don't want to use the word nonchalant, but it was, uh, there was nothing extraordinary about his approach to that that little knee knocker there. Um, But boy, oh boy, if Phil's could have just, you know... (laughs) tippled in toppled in that would have been something else i want to um interrupt before we keep going because you really had one hell of a forrest gump tournament this week <laughs> jeff shackelford uh, we we have documented <laughs> photographic <laughs> evidence of you behind phil on 18 uh, on thursday yep. at his uh you know record tying opener we have you Documented photographic evidence of you with a shirtless Henrik Stenson yesterday as he's approaching the tee box on 17, and we are on the cusp. the 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 Republican National Convention has just commenced. You tell me, not less than a (laughs) half hour before we get onto this podcast, that you've been getting direct communication from the 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 presumptive nominee, the Donald himself, in relation to your thoughts on Turnberry. Let, let's 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 hear a little
0: bit about your week my friend yeah, it was, that was that was that was a surreal phone call uh, uh well we'll do the donald first so i was phil shoots his uh, 63 and i got to see the end of it as you mentioned i was walking the last uh i don't know six seven holes there six holes and um he uh hit that kind of questionable tee shot and so I went up the left side and got to stand behind it and then the putt was just incredible and the moment was incredible and Phil's reaction to be so down about it was incredible because you understood, I mean most golfers would say why would somebody shoot 63 and be so depressed or or somber? And that's because Phil knows history. Phil knows that he had it. He finally was the person he was going to break this barrier to shoot sixty two in a major, that that uh, twenty seven other people had had shot sixty three. And um, so I'm sitting there and I'm I'm writing for Golf Digest this, and the phone. Goes off and it says unknown number and I just I just said well I thought of one person it might be that is a friend of Phil's taking calling to take credit for something and I went well I don't want to deal with that it said unknown and uh, so I keep banging out my uh, text and then I look and there's a long message and I <laughs> I hit I go oh fine let's see who it is and I hit play and uh, and it was it was uh, Mr Trump we'll call him since he is the uh, nominee now I think the Donald would be disrespectful since it's going to be one of two people. And, uh, yeah, he saw some tweets about Turnberry, and he wanted to talk a little uh, Turnberry.
1: Yeah, so we'll let you go ahead and... and Delve into that a bit more um, when we're in the speed round because I know you want to give some, yeah, some yeah. thoughts oh, on Turnberry. You got yeah, to do yeah. the pitch and putt there, and I think you got to play a full eighteen there last week, right?
0: Uh, I did uh, almost. We got we got a little wet yeah. at the end, but uh, I, I we had a great time. Oh, and, right. Yeah, it's sensational. So we'll talk about that. But let's get back to Stenson uh, because that moment, forget me. You, I mean, it was just surreal. Uh, so he makes the birdie on sixteen, and and I want to get to this thought of. Of the zone here in a moment, but he he makes a putt. Everybody, the whole entourage marches up to the seventeenth tee, and and Henrik looks very locked in and, and just 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 so calm, and Phil too. They both were just so calm under the circumstances, and and it was just a surreal scene already because the grandstand's house had been empty all week. And so now we actually have a beautiful weather day. The grandstands are full. It looks fake. It looks like a painting when you're on 16 and you see these layered grandstands completely filled and people clapping almost like a recording. Just a beautiful, beautiful scene. So he, he marches up to the 17th tee, and I'm standing next to Mark Cannizzaro, the New York Post, right by the scoreboard, and you know that way we can't block any people. And yeah, we're like 30 yards away, and literally the moment he's on the tee, he just turns around and he starts walking at us. And I thought, oh, he must have to go to the bathroom. It's kind of a weird time, but whatever. And, um, and then he just literally keeps walking right at Mark and I, and then he starts taking off his golf shirt, and then he you know he shows a little bit of his stomach, and he still keeps walking at us. And he goes, "Shield me," <laughs> and and he's just looking right at us, and we kind of laugh, and I don't even know what to say. And and then he just goes right behind us, uh, and there's a dayglow clad policeman, and he gets behind him. And we, of course, said, sure, we'll shield you and we'll act like nothing's uh, unusual here. There's only millions of people watching and you're disrobing uh, in front of them. And uh, he goes, "Uh, I'm a little hot today. And he said it in that just the way he delivers the dry lines, uh, like it was a reference to the golf. It was a reference to the temperature. But I found it surreal, House. I don't know what television showed, but that here was somebody who was so locked in. And then he just had this moment on the tee where i'm in the middle of a i'm throwing a perfect game and i've decided to take off my undershirt and i golfers are usually very superstitious i don't i guess henrik isn't i thought he was and then he went about and then he stuck it about seven feet and the crowd gave kind of a weird reaction he and it may have been his fault because he was and I, this is where i want to get to the zone conversation with you he was so locked in that he started to at the end of the round just he would just hit these shots he'd see that it was on the flight and he knew he'd hit it so it was perfect And he just went and put the bag club in the bag and uh that was it, 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 it and it, i think it threw the crowd off but he was just he was in an, another place and did well, he, he did, I, I, did not that came give through on, TV. on
1: television any yeah any kind of facial expression and i know that that's part of uh What we've all come to expect with him he's very stoic uh in in expression and when he gets those glasses going and you don't really see his eyes at all um you know it it feels like he's a a little robotic out there just you know mowing down birdies that wasn't the case yesterday for whatever reason i didn't feel like he was a robot uh and and the curious thing about this in the zone observation you're making it was absolutely the case it is true um. So was Phil. Yeah, yeah he was, <laughs> You know, too. that's why yesterday was so incredible. Both guys were, you don't know whether or not they're feeding off of one another or if they're just um, each in, in such a great space um, themselves. I mean, Phil on one. I, I had a conversation overnight, Saturday into Sunday, with somebody wondering if phil could hang in there through all four rounds or whether Uh you know 46 years old across the pond all that kind of stuff would catch up to him a little bit like physically and i said well let's watch his swing on the first two holes and see what he does and on number one you know off the tee perfectly um you know uh, placed for a small wedge in and he sticks it it's like well I, I liked I like the way oh, yeah. Phil's looking right here. And Henrik had a small a small wobble. Yeah. Um but as the, the the day went on, both of them were taking driver or three-wood in places where, you know, there's a little trepidation, 10, 11, 12, you start getting nervous. Please don't pound one of these yeah. off, uh-huh. uh, you know, into into the, <laughs> the high shrubbery or over the, the railroad tracks. And, and they were right down the middle each and yeah. every uh. time. It was just an, an incredible display, right?
0: Yeah, because Phil's tendency uh, has been to go a little bit wayward, and and then Hendrick's tendency has been to, to just putt horribly. And so yeah, when they got to ten and eleven, and how so? Those, those holes are so scary. <laughs> the eleventh is li- literally an island fairway surrounded by gorse, and the slightest miss hit, and you are toast. And so they just went right through those. I mean, Henrik's tee he shot on eleven went a little off of where he had wanted to put it, but but just it showed just me just barely. And so you just kept waiting for that moment when one of the two would. Would kind of give in, and then it looked like Phil on 12 might, and, and he and then he made another miraculous par two days in a row on that hole, and it was just uh, their both of them their rhythm was so good, uh, and it was cold early in the round. It was really really cold, and then it it warmed up as the day went, and that was always sort of what I worried about with with Phil was was uh, just knowing that he's got some some arthritis issues if that if that cold would bother him, and it didn't at all. He just looked great. He's so happy here. He so loves uh, Lynx Golf. And he just, he, the people love him. They love him even more today, believe it or not. I mean, that's all they, they almost talked about him as much as the people I ran into. Um, but he is uh, just so at ease here and with Lynx Golf and, and, and Henrik too. And it's so funny, though. House, I watched him last Saturday at the Scottish. They played together and they were like different people. A week ago, Hen- Henrik's putting was just awful at Castle Castle Stewart. Phil's speed was awful, and we talked about that on the show, and it it worried me in betting about him. But then when I saw Phil on Monday in the practice round, how loose and happy he was after that great Sunday, I you know I just felt better. But to think that those two were. Where they were a week before, and then at that point, playing some of the greatest golf that anybody has ever seen in a major just tells you how what a nutty, nutty game it is. Yeah, I, I was thrilled
1: by the entire tournament two guys going back and forth, and, and neither one, uh, you know, lost ground by way of, of bad play. It was the superior play of, of the other that ended up carrying the day and, and I absolutely loved you know it's, it's the reason that sports you know uh, is such a, a premium. Um, rights package these days, why mm-hmm. networks are all willing to pay such such exorbitant prices for sports, it's because you can't anticipate, you can't forecast when a great competition is going to break out between, between two competitors and you're going to see... You know, some, something that you haven't seen before. And we, we had four days of the possibility of seeing something we hadn't seen before. Scotland was totally up to the task. They gave us three and a half seasons. The way that you, they're just, it's, supposed to, it's supposed to be cold. We got cold. Okay. We got warm. We got wind. We got rain. The only thing that was missing was snow. So the place was up to it. The crowds were up to it. I saw very good reviews of the live outdoor um, facility that they set up for patrons um yeah. to come in and enjoy and stay on the grounds through, through the tournament what was you what was the reaction to that um facility
0: oh it's a great vibe yeah i did a little piece for our website at golf digest and then also for golf channel and it's just it's what you'd hope for at the open it's dignified but it's real, more relaxed and it's they don't quite take themselves as seriously you know you have corporate sponsors uh, around and they have their tents, and, and some are better than others. HSBC has all this great interactive stuff. You can hit the, the drive on the road hole, and uh, you've got all these great food options. There's a, a falconer who who will uh, share his birds with you, but he's also there to kind of keep the gulls away. I mean, just kind of a, an oddball thing like that. The, the merchandise is a little sterile. They need to work on that, but um, it, it, it took a setback this year. It, it had very little stuff that said Tarun, and some branding person got a hold of it. But the the overall vibe that kind of sets is just it's just wonderful, and they're, they're the best fans. And the only thing that was a little strange was the first few days you probably noticed, and when Phil had his sixty three putt. Uh, for some reason the people stayed down by the spectator village and then they gravitated interestingly towards the far end of the course where the 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 postage stamp is and really where the the most dramatic holes are to watch and so there weren't a lot of people up around the clubhouse holes and uh, and that if people wonder why it was so empty when Phil was putting that that was kind of why for whatever reason they just I think it was a little trickier to get up there and um, but the atmosphere at the open house is is really special it's again it's it's serious, it's dignified, but it's it's also relaxed, and the people uh and there are also just so many kids that come to the to the open they they're it's free for under a certain age and and that just adds another element of uh of kind of joy to the whole thing and um it's uh tru' not the most beautiful venue, but it's obviously uh, I don't know how it came off on television but it it obviously is just a great test of golf and uh and it was set up beautifully and in good enough shape to kind of let these two put on a performance that uh that is just for the ages so speaking of the one
1: for the ages you um had had reached out to me a little earlier saying where where do i think the second place finish for phil kind of falls is it his most devastating before Hmm. i give you my point of view on that what what's your take
0: yeah my view is that it is the most devastating one and which is kind of a i know an odd Take, but uh, here's why. I, I look at the ones where he made a mistake, like at Wingfoot or or Marion. That as he sits back and thinks about his 11 second place finishes and his unbelievable career, which uh, I think is also, by the way, <laughs> we're discussing this this downer part of Phil's career. But he, like Arnold Palmer, who had. 10 second place finishes in majors and Jack Nichols at 19 um, in an odd way these these runner-ups and these these heartbreakers and these amazing performances and then doing it in an old age actually solidifies their places as legends in the game. I mean I, because he's there so many times and does it in such a in the way only Phil can do it. But I feel like for him seeing how Uh, He reacted to this and how he was so dejected and so heartbroken, really, because he has been putting so much into his game. He's been working like crazy. It's been three years since he won. He did everything right. He shoots 62 and a half, essentially. Um, He uh, shoots 65 the last round with no bogeys. He plays just an an amazing tournament. If he was the only player there, he wins by 11, and that is the largest winning margin since 1870. Um, He wins 141 of 145 Open Championships with that score. I mean, he just can go on and on. And so I think that in a weird way, that is really almost more painful that you did every single thing right, and you still didn't win. What do you think? Stretch, yeah, on on the brink of history in so many different
1: ways with so many different angles. uh, He would have been the oldest um, open winner, is that
0: right? Uh, Since Old Tom Morris,
1: right, right.
0: (laughs) Um, A long time ago. I I, (laughs) in a galaxy far, far away.
1: I, I, I don't think anything could ever surpass Wingfoot in terms of, of a devastating yeah. um, second place. It was a doozy. Um, because it, this instance was one where he played his very, very, very best, and it just happened to not be good enough here at, at Troon. Wingfoot was a meltdown of, of catastrophic, unprecedented, never-to-be-repeated proportions, um, largely because of the mental f- failures. And, you know, I, I uh, don't think he was he's leading the, the U.S. Open and makes two unbelievable mental errors. Um, that to me is the thing that I think would would uh, have to be gnawing at him for for a lifetime. Um, and it seems like he's he's confessed as much um, it, as he's sort of put that in context and in his rear view mirror over the years, um, but wingfoot for me remains um, the, the the one that uh, 's got to be the the toughest one to 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 you know process in a lifetime
0: well let me here, let me throw another reason at you why I think this one hurts uh, he doesn 't really care about playing for regular tour titles anymore he 's all about the history that 's why the the sixty three Lip out was so painful uh, because he's such a lover of history, especially when he gets to the Open, um, and he's thinking about that. He knows he doesn't have many opportunities left. the The, the, <laughs> the golf gods, who he now believes in after <laughs> after that, but um, tend to be very harsh on people as they get into their late forties. Now he could be an exception, which he also knows. Because he's got such great flexibility and his health seems to be so good and um, he knows how to pace himself and he has paced himself very well, uh, a lot better than several other players. So I think when you add in the, the sort of extra pressure he feels because of his sense of history and his sense of, I don't want to say desperation, but his desire to take advantage of these last few key years, that that's what is... Makes it so painful for him that he did every single thing right. His his swing changes are working, and and then um, I guess the only thing that doesn't make it more devastating is that he he really he really likes Henrik. They they uh, other than when Henrik plays very slow, uh, I think Phil absolutely loves playing with him. Um, so uh, that is uh, I want to t- talk about yeah, one. Yeah, it, other it thing. was pretty
1: apparent from their interaction, um, really starting on Saturday. When they they played together uh, um, all all day Saturday, and you know they they in all of the interviews the two of them um, did, they talked about you know very uh, generously how much they like each other, and uh, I wonder how much of that played into. Uh, Henrik's ability to get himself into the flow, into the moment, in a groove and into the zone, as we say, in the same way that we observed with Danny Willett, the comfort that he had playing with Lee Westwood at the Masters. In a way, Henrik had the benefit of playing with such a comfortable competitor that that was not part of the... Um, you know sort of men- mental uh, let's say booyah base right the the big soup that's in, in his in his head as he's trying to pick out you know ingredients and just put, pull together the best possible performance he didn't have to worry about the guy that was standing across from him in terms of any intimidation factor or unfamiliarity or hmm. anything like
0: that the mental booyah base that is one that is a keeper if we had show titles for this show I think that would have to be the show title house uh <laughs> to your point, though, yes. Here's here's the other thing I wanted to point out uh, before we get to our our interview with Ru McDonald to talk Scottish golf, and before we get to uh, the speed round, which will cover some more about the Open Championship. Henrik was playing, I won't say fast at the Open, but he was playing at a at a very nice normal pace. And so, to your point about the comfort level, you know, he played with Phil up at Castle Stewart. Uh, and then he was—he clearly had found something that that was on a level that was just uh, like few golfers have ever found on the final day, or really over four days, but especially on the final day of a major. And house, he was—he was just playing very uh, at a very nice clip. I, I usually don't enjoy watching him play because he's so slow. Um, I mean, at Oakmont, he was and he was battling a, a little injury, and he was battling the course. And I think his, his putting was bothering him, and he was he was really, really grinding. And he played with Phil there, by the way, as well. And so I, I think that was just so telling yesterday. And I, I know TV kind of masks that, although TV showed those guys so much. So it was um, – I, I think you kind of detected it, you, that that he was just at a, 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 a level of comfort there. And, and players, for whatever reason, House, they like to downplay the importance of a good pairing, but – it's nonsense. It, it absolutely makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. All right. That's it for this preview of Shack House on Channel 33. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear the full show now. Shack